Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Lots of things come in threes. And what I mean by that is, you know... A lot of people don't know. I mean, I, I didn't go to seminary, but I do have a PhD, um, a post hole digger. And um, if you don't know how, if you've never dug a post hole, now I haven't dug any post holes up here in Colorado, but I bet it's nearly the same. But down in West Texas, you know, the, digging a post hole takes three steps. They're not hard steps, but if you leave one of these steps out, you're not, you're, it's just wasted effort. So the first step in digging a post hole is you have to drive it into the ground with force. Now, I don't know why my four-year-old son was having such a problem learning that. <laughs> that was my best one. I gotta go. Sorry. <laughs> but you have to drive it into the ground with some gumption, with some force. That's the first step. And then the second step is you have to pull it apart. And I always like watching newbies. You always know somebody that haven't dug many post holes because they don't have the required muscle tone for it because it takes a specific muscle group to do it because they'll always drive it down, pull it apart, and then turn their hands like this. If you do that, you're a greenhorn, okay? <laughs> I'm just telling you. So the next time you think you're going to do that, just just man up. <sighs> you can look like me. Hey, <laughs> hey. But, you know, you have to drive it into the ground, you have to spread it apart, and you have to keep that tension and pull the dirt up out of there. Three steps. They don't sound like hard steps, but it's amazing how three steps can, can yield so much sweat, and in my case, asthma. Getting bucked off takes three steps also. The first step is you have to get on. Now, sometimes it's a matter of opinion how long you're actually on, but you have to get on, and then something triggers the horse to leap for joy, and then that constitutes getting bucked off is you have to come off the horse and land on your head or some various part of your body. Lots of things come in threes. Post hole digging, getting bucked off. Having kids comes in threes. You know, a lot of people didn't realize this, but if you want to have kids, it's a three-step process. First, you fall in love and then you get married, and then you can't afford anything else except make babies. That's how babies are born. Just That's the birds and the bees. That's as deep as we're going to get right there. Getting in trouble with your wife is a three-step process. She talks, and then you think that you're a part of the conversation, and insert your foot in your mouth, and then you clean the house while holding flowers. It's a three-step process right there, marriage is. Um, and I, I probably made the biggest boo-boo of my entire life, and, it, and I attribute it all to my selective hearing. Now, guys, it is a scientific fact that we only hear like the first part of something and the last part of something. We hear, honey, and we go, yeah. And then we don't hear anything else until, are you listening to me? Of course I'm listening. Now, we didn't hear any of that middle part, and that's what happened the other day. Um, my, my wife read me a headline to an article, and she said, Honey, listen to this. Women with, and then there was like this silence, 
you know, it, it couldn't have been my hearing. She just kind of went into silent mode. And then the last part said, are smarter and happier. Now, my wife is, is brilliantly smart, whether I give her credit for it or not, but I'm just publicly, she is one of the smartest people, and I guarantee you there's nobody in the world I would rather be around than her because she is always happy. Well, she, she reads me this headline, and what I hear is, women with are smarter and happier. And since she's the smartest and happiest person I know, she said, I'm going to post it on Facebook, and little did I know that I'm already dead. I just hadn't realized it yet. She says she's going to post it on Facebook, and I open up my mouth. Now, you have to understand, all I heard was women with are smarter and happier. Well, me, she speaks. I think that I have to speak, too. And so I said, well, honey, you ought to put on there that you're a genius. And this look came over her face. Because the headline said, women with large derrieres are smarter and happier. I don't even, I just saw two people high-five each other. I didn't even know what a derriere was. I thought that was some French, you know, bottled water or something. I got in trouble, and I didn't mean to. That was... That is not my intention. Husbands, pay attention. It's a three-step process. She talks, you shut your mouth and listen, and you don't get in trouble. Three steps. Sermon's over. Talk to you later. (laughs) What if I asked you what the three steps were to enjoying your life again were? Now think about that. There's an operative word in that title. What if I said, what if I asked you what the three steps to enjoying your life again was? You remember that time? I saw a statistic the other day that said that children laugh nearly 500 times a day. 500 times a day a child will laugh. You want to know what the average adult, how many times an average adult laughs? 25. 25 times versus 500. I think that says a lot whenever uh, Jesus said, unless you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Now, we could go on and on about what that could possibly mean or, or what it does mean, but I don't think that it does not mean that we shouldn't enjoy life. And you remember whenever you were a kid, you had this idea, man, when I reach 24, I'm going to be this. And it usually doesn't turn out like you thought it would. And somewhere along the lines, you woke up one day and thought, is this really what it's all about? Is this really how it's supposed to be? Because, I mean, there are, I have some good times, but it just doesn't seem like it's all it's cracked up to be. And what about all these Bible verses? This is, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Do we have an abundant life? Do we have a life that is full of joy? Or are we most of the time walking around waiting on the possibility that a good thing will happen? or that we might enjoy something, or that we might be able to laugh 26 times a day. Why can't we laugh 500 times a day? What's keeping us from that? If I asked you what the three steps to enjoying your life again were, would it be get rid of my husband, get a dog, and go to the mountains? That's probably what my wife is thinking about right now. No, not really. In no particular order. Here we go. Don't read anything into the order of these things. It is not an order of importance. It is you have to have all three of these things if you want to start enjoying your life again. 
The first one that I'm going to talk about is emotional health. Emotional health. Did you know that stress can kill you? Think about that. The way something is perceived on the inside of us can affect our health. Think about that. Are you always knotted up inside? Are you always mad? Are you always worried? Are you always just like, ah, you know, the littlest thing sets you off, either getting mad and screaming and cussing and hollering, or maybe it's it's bawling and squalling, or maybe you just shut down and don't talk to anybody, you run off from people. How is your emotional health? And I think it's a valid question to ask. How is your emotional health? Philippians 4.8 says this, The Apostle Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. He has just thrown in like seven whatevers, okay? And it's not like some people like, whatever. That's not that kind of whatever. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, those things, true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, If it is anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. But how often do we think about things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, things that are excellent and praiseworthy? Is that what dominates our thinking? Or are we worried about what so-and-so's doing over there, or what somebody said, or the way that person at work is acting, or what my stupid husband is saying, and... I mean, none of y'all husbands are stupid. It's just me most of the time. And um, what what dominates your thinking? Seriously, what dominates your thinking? Because if you're thinking about things that aren't pure, that aren't true, that aren't noble, that aren't right, that aren't lovely or admirable or excellent or praiseworthy, it's not going to do anything except affect your insides. Heart disease. People die every day from stress-related heart disease. Blood pressure. People stroke out because of the way they perceive things that it bothers them so much inside that it ends up killing them. How weird is that? And we consciously do it. We may not consciously want to do it, but we choose to think about those things. So we stop it. I mean, isn't that easy? Oh, you know, that's easier said than done, preacher. Well, you know, I'm not a psychologist. I'm just a cowboy. But I am going to tell you one thing that I learned when I truly started following God. Now, you have to understand, I gave my heart to Jesus whenever I was a a teenager, okay? I gave my life to Him many, many moons later, okay? (laughs) That's okay. I think it's funny. I can hear a pig over here. It's just saying amen, that's it. I like it. Got somebody spiritual in the house. So how do we do that? There are many ways, but if you want to start enjoying your life again, then I think a good place to start is the same place that I started. And I didn't realize how good of an idea it was until many years later. Here it is. This is the grandest scheme, not scheme, I don't mean that in a bad way, but here's what you need to do if you want to start enjoying your life again. Hang around with people you want to be like. Hang around people that you want to be like that has an admirable quality, that has a true quality, that has a noble quality, that likes to do things that are right, that likes to do things that are pure, that likes to enjoy lovely things, excellent things, praiseworthy things. Start hanging around with people like that. 
Or, if you can't take a hint, let me give it to you straight. Get rid of the poisonous people in your life. Get rid of them, okay? I, I mean, that doesn't mean some people, I know the first thing Christians, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're a believer, most Christians will think, but if I leave, they won't have anybody to shine the light of God on. Ah, oh, crap. You know what? Those people are dragging you down. Why don't you show them the light and you go to what's good and if they want to follow, they can follow and if not, they can just stay there. I didn't say not to love them. I said get rid of the poisonous people in your life. Find encouraging people to hang around. Not the naysayers. You know that friend of yours that just, it doesn't matter what you say, they're just like, well, I wouldn't do that. or you know, Just those naysayers, always negative. Get rid of those people. And I'm not saying kick them to the curb and never speak to them again, but quit giving them a big part of your life. Find growing people. Find people that want to be better. Find people that are willing to grow. Find growing people and leave those that are stuck in neutral where they are. You know what? A lot of people, man, they'll blame you. Well, you just think you're better than me. I don't think I'm better than anybody, but if you want to say, if you want to stay in the cesspool, that's your business, person. I'm going to go this way, and I'd love for you to come with me. But no longer am I going to stay in here and just listen to all this negative stuff, and you don't want to get better. You just want to stay right here and complain about it. Get rid of poisonous people in your life if you want to, if you want your emotional health to get better. Find people that challenge you to grow instead of those that are just challenging to deal with. It's true. You know, I, I lost a lot of friends. Whenever I true, and it, being a preacher doesn't have anything to do with it. When I gave my life to God, when I started walking the walk instead of just talking the talk, I lost a lot of friends. But the reason I lost a lot of friends is because I wasn't going to go down that path anymore. It's not that I didn't love them. It's not that I didn't care about them. I was just like, you know what, man? <laughs> I got to go this way. This is where God wants me to go. I'm going to stroll on over here. I'd love for y'all to come with me, but I ain't going to make you. You want to stay there, you stay there. You come with me, that's great, partner. Come on, let's go. How's your emotional health? And you know what the funny thing is? I can see it in every one of your eyes right now. You're thinking about that one. You're thinking about that one, and you're already making excuses. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about it's okay to leave your husband or your wife, okay? That's a different circumstance. I'm talking about friends or possibly family members that don't live with you or that shouldn't live with you. I don't know. Are you already making excuses of why you can't get rid of that poisonous person in your life? But make up your mind if you want to stay where you're at or you will, if you want to be happy again. God gave you a choice. Next to his son dying on the cross, God gave us his son as a ransom for many. Besides that, the greatest gift that God gave you was a choice. Don't let anybody tell you that you don't have a choice. You do. You may not like the choice that you have, but you still have it. Man up. Whether you're a boy or a girl, man up. Sometimes you've got to make a decision. Is this what's right for me? Or do I need to go on, go down that road? Physical health is the number, number two. Three steps to learning how to be happy again. First one was emotional health. And if you want to make a change today, get rid of the poisonous people in your life. Start hanging around with people that you want to be like, that make you grow. And the second one, physical health. Feel good, act good, act good, be good, be good, be godly. Think about that. Now that's a, uh, I kind of changed that up. Deion Sanders had a deal that said, look good, feel good, feel good, be good, be good, play good, play good, make good. 
Deion Sanders said that. But I changed it around to feel good, act good, act good, be good, be good, be godly. And I'll tell you why I say that in just a second. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within us, and it is a gift from God. Meaning the Holy Spirit is a gift from God, and it resides in the temple, which is our body. What does your temple feel like? We're talking about physical health. Now, you notice I didn't say what does your temple look like because looks can be deceiving. I don't care. I mean, I work real hard to try to gain weight and it don't happen. (laughs) Although I am working on it, Chuck. That's my boy. He knows why. What does your temple feel like? Does it feel like a Ferrari or does it feel like a dead ferret? Does your temple feel like a a skyscraper or a hole in the ground? Does your temple feel like a mighty steed or a broken stick? What does your, I didn't say what does your temple look like. Quit worrying about what things look like and think about how do you feel? How is your physical health? It's the, your physical health, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit that is a gift from God. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being you feel like, you know, a rock, and 10, you're that mighty steed. What does your temple feel like? And unless you're a liar and say 10 then we have room to work with. Are you a one? You a two? You a six? You a eight? You pretty good health? I mean, we got some active-duty Marines in here that are in pretty good health. You know, they may be an eight or a nine. But don't worry about getting to ten. Worry about getting to that next number because it is important. How do we do that? I mean, think about this. Do you know some people? I, I personally know some people that are... I mean, they work out, they can run a million miles and everything, and everything's good, but their emotional health is a wreck, so therefore they are a wreck. Conversely, I know people that are emotionally just fine and can't, if they had to run from here to that door, they'd pass out, and they're not happy. They may be emotionally healthy, but they're not happy. They're not enjoying life because they can't can't get out and do anything. you got to have both. Emotional and physical. So how do we get physically healthy? Because it is important. How many times have you heard a preacher stand up there and say, you know what, you need to get physically healthy. It's important to being happy. And why is being happy important? Think about this. How many times have you seen, how many instances do you know of that you've seen a Christian that was just negative all the time, couldn't get, you know, down the street without hacking or coughing or passing out or couldn't saddle their own horse or climb up on it? And they just said, well, you just need to know Jesus and be like me. And you're like, dude, I'm after that. I, I mean, Christians walk around all mad and talking crap about each other and everything. Does anybody really want to be a Christian that's lost? If that is the example... No, let's be happy. Let's get emotionally healthy. Let's get physically healthy. How do we do that? I don't know. I'm just going to throw a couple of things out there that is just good common sense. And I've got a cookbook for sale right back there. No, not really. I don't. I don't. It'll be next week when we have the cookbook. If you want to get healthy, I mean, seriously, one step that you can take is to cook again. You, you, You remember what that is? Cooking is that, that's what that stove is for in your kitchen. And I'm not talking about the microwave stove. I'm talking about the actual stove that gets hot if you put your hand on it, it burns you. Start cooking again. Go to the store, get some good old rancher raised beef and cook you a steak or something and get you a potato and eat it. I didn't say 14 of them, I just said a potato. Cook good, healthy food. And while you're cooking your good, healthy food, Invite someone that you would like to start hanging out with. Invite them over. See how these two play together? 
Invite someone over to eat, someone that is encouraging, growing, and challenging, challenges you to be better. Just be sure you don't put tomatoes or coconut on whatever you cook. Unless those tomatoes have been baptized in vinegar to make ketchup or sanctified with jalapenos to make salsa. Then they're okay to eat. Otherwise, leave them alone. And coconut is nothing but baby's fingernails. Do not put that on cake, okay? Y'all know what I mean. A lot of people don't realize that, but that's where coconut comes from. People like Kathy Weber at the newborn place, they clip the fingernails and they put them in a sack and then they ship them off as coconut. Hope I don't get you fired, Kathy. Seriously, just, I mean, you know what you're supposed to eat. If it comes in a plastic bag and it's in the frozen food section and you look at the ingredients and you can't pronounce it, don't eat it. Seriously. Whatever happened to just cooking a good potato and a good steak or a pork chop or, you know, whatever the case may be, it's not hard to eat healthy. You don't have to go, you know, vegan or anything like that, man. Just start eating healthier. Lay off the frozen pizzas. Maybe, you know, limit yourself to Dr. Pepper a week or something. It's really not that hard. We make it hard. And the reason we make it hard is so that we'll have an excuse to not do it. We have no excuses for taking care of ourselves. You know what? As parents, we owe it to our kids. Because I guarantee you, you know, if you're going to have a heart attack at 45, are you really loving on your kids? Are you really loving on yourself? Are you really giving glory to God because you just can't take care of your stuff? I didn't say it would be easy, but the step is easy. Just eat better. And get some exercise. Now, what I mean by that is I didn't say you had to go down and join the gym. You know what? If you can't walk from here to the door without wheezing and hacking and coughing and everything, do your best to try to do walk every day until you can walk to the door. Whatever your physical fitness level is, try to up it just a little bit. I mean, you know, you can, you can do things like go hiking. I mean, this is Colorado, man. It's beautiful. You can go hiking. You, I don't know why you'd want to ride a bicycle, but ride a bicycle. Just don't put the spandex on, people. That's kinky and freaky. Wear jeans. We don't want to see you. None of you. And if riding a bicycle is not your deal, man, you can go to the mall and walk funny. Those people are awesome. I, that, I can go and just laugh at you. Sermon illustration. If you don't want to go walk funny at the mall, come to my house. We'll chop some weeds. I mean... Clean the house. Help me hold the flowers. I mean, there's a ton of stuff that you can do. Whatever your level of fitness, up it just one. Just up it one. Seriously. If you're not physically fit, you're not going to feel good. And if you don't feel good, you're not going to act good. Seriously. It is that important. First Timothy 4.8. Remember what I said about my little feel good, act good, act good, be good, be good, be godly? This is why I said that. First Timothy 4.8. For physical training is of value, but godliness has value for all things. And that's our third thing. For physical training is of value, but godliness has value for all things, which leads us to your spiritual health. Where is your spiritual health? Because you know what? I do know people that are physically fit, that they are emotionally stable, but they don't know Jesus Christ and they're miserable. They act like they got everything going on, but they don't. Unless you have a healthy spiritual life, you're going to be miserable. You can be emotionally healthy and physically healthy, and if you don't have your spiritual stuff lined out, you're going to wonder, why I, Why am I so sad? I work out. I go see a counselor once a week, and I'm still not happy. How's your spiritual life? And if you want to get spiritually healthy, you notice I'm not saying saved. 
Salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. He said, I am the narrow gate. Broad is the road to destruction. Narrow is the path to salvation. So there's only one step to salvation. Jesus Christ is your Lord and salvation. There is no other way. But there are some steps to becoming spiritually healthy. And if you want to be spiritually healthy, there's three things that you got to do. When you go to church, do what God is telling you to do through the message. And I'm not saying that I that everything I say is for each of you individually, all of it, but sometimes it may just be a piece. Like, you know, God, you listening to the Holy Spirit be like, yeah, you need to do that. <sighs> okay. When you go to church, do what God's telling you to do. When you read your Bible, do what God is telling you to do. Anybody want to take a guess of what the third deal is when you pray? Do what God is telling you to do. Because, see, everybody just wants to talk about it. Oh, we went to church today. Well, did you do what God was telling you to do? Oh, no, you don't have to do that. You just get to go and listen. Well, I read my Bible. Do you do what the Bible says? Oh, no, you don't have to do what it says. You just have to read it so that you can quote Scripture whenever somebody does something that you don't like. No, that's not it. When you pray, people say, oh, I prayed about it, but I don't know what God's telling me. Yeah, you do. You just probably don't like the answer. Do what God is telling you to do. You want to be spiritually healthy? Who knew that just do it applied to God, not just Nike? Just do it. Hey, listen up. I know God was really talking to you today. If you'd like to hear the whole story, get online and get it at www.savethecowboy.com. There you will find all you need to get where Jesus wants you to be, no matter how long or little you've been riding with Him. You ought to know by now that I ain't going to jerk your leg. Okay, (laughs) maybe just a little bit. But this one ain't no story. This here's the truth. We need you to saddle up with us and keep this gospel being spread to cowboys and cowgirls like you. I'm asking you to go to SaveTheCowboy.com and make a donation to help us out. This program was brought to you in part by my good friends Jim and Kelly Gerald of Integrity Auto Repair and Rod and Brenda Denning of Tumbleweed Hay and Holly, both from Kiowa, Colorado. <laughs>